Good evening and welcome. It's the Independence Gang. Welcome to all of you. I'm your host, JV, along with co-host Britt Griffith. We've got a terrific program ready for you tonight. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about. I'm, I'm going to say it's great stuff, but a lot of it's actually disturbing stuff. But that's kind of the par for the course anymore. We've got Jeff with us. You know Jeff. He's been with us several times. And new to the show, Malcolm Flex. Malcolm, welcome to the show. Great to have you along with us tonight. I'm really excited to uh, have you part of the gang tonight. So welcome to you. Um, We've got a lot to chat about here, so we're going to get right into this. And I know that, uh, Britt, your list is long as is mine, mm -hmm. but I want to start out by talking again. It seems like this is a weekly, um, at least a couple times a week feature that we we talk about Joe Biden and his very obvious failings, um, his, his mental decline, his cognitive decline. And I'm going to start with uh, a little montage of uh, some remarks he gave regarding the COVID vaccine. I think he gave these remarks yesterday. Let's start with this. I'm here to report that we're uh, we're in our vaccination program where we are, and there are tens of thousands of Americans alive today because uh, who would not be alive otherwise were they not had access to rapid vaccination program. We're also going to slip vaccines directly to to pediatricians, ship them to, to pediatricians. Visit vaccines.com. Vaccines.com or text to your text your zip code to four three eight eight two nine and many more are getting seriously ill from long stretches of the time. Even if your chance, even if your chance of getting seriously ill is low, within nearly 150 Americans living, in fact, with 150 million Americans that are living now. That's why I'm asking people to continue to follow the CCD guidelines, CDC guidelines. I, you know, sometimes I'm just speechless at this stuff. Uh, Vaccines.gum. Dot gov and then he says dot gum again he, he he he's not even sure what he's saying half the time i don't think he's really sure about what's coming out of his mouth malcolm you're new to the program with us but when you see stuff like this what, what's your first thought and what do you think the rest of the world is thinking oh oh boy i think it's actually probably easier for me to uh, prognosticate what the rest of the world is thinking because man i am made of, i made a feelings on this one to be quite honest with you, <laughs> oh, God, how do you mess the link up after correcting yourself? That's the first thing that sticks out to me. But, you know, knowing what I know about Joe Biden, to be quite honest with you, it's sad. It's a little cathartic because, again, if you know anything about, you know, Joe Biden's history and all that, you know that the dude is a, you know, for lack of a better term, bastard. Like, I just got to come out and say it. So, honestly... I'm thinking that, you know, if we have any credibility left, man, it's a miracle. Either that or we have been paying some, you know, we've been paying some of these company countries and these foreign leaders really big, but dude, he's awful. Yeah. And when you say he's a bastard, just a quick follow up to that. You mean he's just not been a very nice person most of his political life. Is that what you mean? Exactly. His uh, whole career, like, you know, he's a very condescending person. A lot of the deals, a lot of his interactions back when he was more lucid. Like, you know, you watch him, he just speaks with an arrogance. It's not even like a bravado. It's just an arrogance. Up. And then compared to what you know about his business dealings, foreign ties, Solyndra, 
you know, a lot of his uh, Senate records in, you know, which are sealed in the University of Delaware, not because of the Tara Reid stuff. Let's just, let's be honest. It's probably because there are some really racist policies and some uh, decisions, things that he signed on to that they don't want released until maybe posthumously. Yeah. Um, I want to play a couple of cuts from an Australian news program. This is a, a an Australian news anchor by the name of Alan Jones talking about Biden. Um, listen to what, you know, I asked the question of Malcolm, what do we think the world is thinking? This is one of our staunchest allies. Let's hear what Australia is thinking. Well, we ignore at our peril the weak leadership in America. And we're now seeing the consequences of this around the world. Myanmar, Hong Kong, Taiwan. Only last week, Biden was telling the world in a virtual summit on climate change, but the world's biggest polluter, if carbon dioxide is pollution, is China. They're promising net zero emissions by 2060. 10 years after our commitment to 2050, when our economies will be trashed. China will reign supreme using our cheap coal. Jeff, uh, Alan Jones points out there that the folly of this uh, effort to um, decarbonize our economies while letting China continue to burn coal. China is building, uh, I think it's like a new coal-fired electric plant, one a week, something to that, that tune. Um, Basically, what Alan Jones is saying there, the leadership of the United States, particularly Joe Biden, is providing down this path is going to lead to Chinese dominance and basically ultimately crushing us economically. You agree with that? Yeah, I, I, it is kind of a scary path. I mean, it, I think the uh, media and the left is covered up for Joe Biden. and They don't think like the rest of the world doesn't see this. It is so obvious. The guy can't even get through a sentence and he's in charge of a, a nuclear navy. I mean, this is this is nutty, and I mean, we we all know that what China is going to do. China is going to do whatever they want. China is going to build whatever they want. They're they're never going to. They're not going to be carbon neutral. They don't care about that. They they just want to be the most powerful country, and they want to back out. But they're after right now. Yeah, they are after don, dominance. Before I go to you, Brett, Brett I'm going to play another one of these cuts because there are, there are five of them that I want to get to with uh, Alan Jones from Australia. Here's the second one. Biden had. No, rec no direct condemnation today of China's pollution or military aggression. What he said was, quote, in my discussion with President Xi, I told him we welcome the competition. What the hell is that about? We're not looking for conflict. Tony Abbott summed it up brilliantly last weekend when he wrote, quote, there's been the militarization of the South China Sea, the bullying of neighbors, even India, the trade boycotts against Australia, the abrogation of the one country, two systems treaty on Hong Kong, the mass internment of the Uyghurs, and most dangerous for the wider world, the growing belligerence towards Taiwan. What did the leader of the free world have to say in his first address about any of that today? Nothing. So this news anchor in Australia, uh, basically talking about uh, or his reaction to Biden's address to the joint session of Congress, he goes through this litany of uh, problems that China China's causing in the world. And he asks the question, what did the leader of the free world have to say about all of this? The answer was nothing. Brit, the world is listening to the nothing. Number one, I think we need to all start watching Australian news because they're reporting the truth closer <laughs> than our news. Uh, number two, uh, I don't think he said gum. I believe he said cum because he's watching <laughs> something different on the interwebs, um, to be honest with you. Um, the world is laughing at us. The world, Actually, technically, the world is not laughing at us. They're, they're scared shitless right now. America was the policeman of the world. We were the big bad bullies on the, on, on the world stage around the globe. And, 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 and every, everyone knows of all the countries in the world that have that mantle, it, it should be us because we are – we are the fairest 
of the countries. I mean, just look what Canada's going through. I used to think Canada was fairer than us, but not now after what they've been going through the last several months. Um, but they're being la they're laughing at us and they're scared because there's no one that can go up against China. It's us, but we're tearing ourselves apart from the inside with with all this woke stuff and all this the craziness that's going on within our institutions. Uh, we're weakening the military. We're everything's getting weakened and we're distracted. So China's going to run amok. And how do you? And they're nuclear power. And they have a lot of money, and they have a, they have a lot of people. I mean, quite honestly, if, if China wanted to invade us, <clears throat> we, it would be like a swarm of, of of fire ants coming at us. We would literally have to nuke them to stop them. We could not stop China if they wanted to invade us, even with all of us having firearms, because there's just too many of them, and the world knows that. I mean, Taiwan's right next door; they're done. Australia's really close; they'll be done. So they're they're freaking out right now on. Uh, they're legitimately freaking out right now because without us to be the backstop to the bad guys of the world, which is China right now, um, they're going to have free reign for a while. Well, I think you hit the very salient point there when you talk about the fact that Australia is is much closer to China than the United States is. Um, and that's probably why China's taking or Australia's taking notice here. But listen to this third cut from Alan Jones from an Australian news broadcast. And you mean to say this black Biden isn't cognitively delinquent? Have a listen to this, the President of the United States of America. We have to do more than just build back better. We build back, we have to build back better. But I made very clear to Putin that we're not going to seek excuse me, escalation. Putting Biden in this position of leading the world's democracies is elder abuse. His incoherence is not new, but it surely can't go on. There will have to be a presidential resignation shortly. Listen to this from only a couple of weeks ago. The only way to spare more pain and more loss, the only way these millstones no longer mark our national mourning, these milestones, I should say, no, no longer mo mark our national mourning. God help me. And then this. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> this is the leader of the free world. So a couple of very, very um, important moments in that. First of all, we've seen all those clips before. That last one, I think, is kind of interesting, too, because you've got uh, this giggling going on in the gallery. They're almost like it's like a nervous laughter, like they're trying to not admit that this guy can't project a single sentence without losing his place. But Malcolm, Alan Jones says things like, God help me. This is elder abuse. And then he ends it with a poignant, the leader of the free world. This is Australia. This isn't this isn't Iranian state TV, Malcolm. This is one of our closest allies with zero faith in the leader of our government, who is the leader of the free world. Yeah. Okay. So, look, I laugh to keep from crying right now, and this is coming from somebody who has looked at a lot of crazy stuff. You know, I've delved into a lot of uh, the George Bush gas. Let me just say, Biden reminds me a lot of, um, you know, the Democrats' attempt at George Bush. You got to think about it. You've got a inexorably corrupt politician. He's 
presenting kind of as a chucklehead now. You know, we, we kind of put, uh, handle him with kid gloves. We see it say, oh, look at little baby Biden. He made another little gap. You know, he said, true and not a shot of the pressure. And I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, give him a break. You know, Biden even said himself, he came to, he came to the Senate 120 years ago. Let's not forget that, Jim. But, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I've had there. And then what's, what's even more startling, and this is, you know, I, w- I was watching it, I was like, based Australia? But then I kind of thought for a second, and I'm like, hold on, though. If he resigns, guess who's waiting in the wings? Kamala Harris. Now, I don't think I need to tell you guys about how absolutely horrendous and psychopathic that, that woman is. And honestly, I'm almost thinking that, you know, we're better off with Biden because with Bush, you know, people presented Cheney as the ultimate evil, but I really think that, you know, really Bush was the ultimate evil. But with Biden, you know, Kamala might actually be worse. She might get out here and bomb one of these countries, start a armed conflict with Syria just to show she's one of the big boys. No. So I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I agree with that that point. And in fact, Alan Jones makes that point um, coming up here. But here's another cut. Um, this one, he's talking about world other world leaders, particularly adversarial world leaders and their views of our president. How can we believe any self-respecting world leader will take this bloke seriously? Can you imagine what it's like talking to him live? One wag had it right with a meme that was posted on social media that says it all. Hey, Sleepy Joe, I think it'd be less confusing if you just... Turn the teleprompter around and let us read it for ourselves. Look, it's easy to laugh. This is very, very serious. For example, today, the plight of migrants, the burden they have placed on US resources, which Trump was addressing, not a word, not a word. But Biden waxed lyrical about the virtue of raising taxes. All these left-wing clots in the Democratic Party don't understand that if you raise taxes on corporations, then those corporations will move offshore and take American jobs with them. Jeff, uh, you know, we often make the comparison in a joking way uh, a lot that, uh, you know, no uh, narrow fiddles while Rome burns. But is Joe Biden fiddling while America's burning? I, I don't know what he's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I not really. I, I just I just don't think he's he's not, he cannot comprehend what he's doing. He's I don't know who's in charge. What's going on there right now? And it's it's fair to all these countries in the rest of the world that we are. We're supposed to be the supporter of peace. We're supposed to be the most powerful country in the world, but that's going to slowly slip away because they are not going to let this lay. These people are coming after us, and and this guy is just make he's making it look scary for these countries. All these countries that that are, are that need us, that need us to be there to support them and to police them, they're they're getting they're getting scared now. So big changes are going to happen to happen. I mean, maybe he's going to he's going to be forced out of office. Maybe he's going to resign. I don't know, but. I mean, this is getting, every sentence is getting kind of bad. This is kind of getting scary. Yeah. This is the final cut from Alan Jones. Britt, you can comment after it and then take it from there. But um, this one, um, he basically says, he basically admits the obvious, which many in this country aren't willing to. Well, someone of significant note is going to have to tap this bloke on the shoulder and tell him he's got to go. The tragedy is the replacement is Kamala Harris, as big a disaster. Her own party didn't want her in the runoff for the Democratic nomination, she received 2% of the vote. If we don't think the free world is in a mess, we are bad students of the current international situation. As Malcolm pointed out, and Alan Jones just reiterated it there, if we 
do what needs to be done and get rid of Joe Biden because he's not capable, then we're stuck with Kamala Harris. And, you know, which is the worst of two evils here? Yeah, we're screwed either way. Uh, although I will say this, we all know Joe Biden is not in charge. It's the behind the scenes stuff. It's the it's the Obama people that are within Joe Biden's administration, uh, one level down. <clears throat> um, so Kamala Harris will be uh, uh, controlled the same way for the most part. The only difference is, is Kamala Harris is young and still has a brain that works and she wants to climb and be somebody. So she'll push back harder than Joe. Joe, I think, you know, they put the executive order in front of him. And, well, he said it at the desk. I don't even know what I'm signing. And he just started signing. So Kamala won't do that. She'll have some ideas that she wants to do. And we all know she's crazy. And um, so, yeah, I think she's worth, I think there's some, man, we can't even get rid of Joe Biden and Kamala because then we're stuck with Nancy Pelosi. And to be honest with you, I think I'd rather, I think I'd rather Joe to Kamala and I'd rather Kamala to Nancy, to be honest with you, um, which is insane. But uh, we're screwed, JV. We are legitimately screwed right now. And I, the, the, the plane's nosediving and we just broke like 20,000 feet going straight down. I hope we can pull up in time. Well, you know, but, you and I have had this glass half, half empty, glass yeah. half full conversation a lot. I think 2022, things are going to change radically in a good way. I, I mean, so. that's my hope. I, I hope so. Um, but again, unlike, you, well, I'm not going to put words around. I personally believe Donald Trump won. I personally believe there was so much funny business that went on, not one specific spot of of craziness. There was a, the, the craziness of the election was spread all around to where uh, uh, Donald Trump was, uh, he, he won. He, he won that election. There's no way Joe won. But here we are today. We got to deal with it. But, you know, as I'm preparing for today's show, I stumbled across this article about the FBI. And the FBI is breaking into corporate computers to remove malicious code. So the FBI has uh, some hacking software that they're going into these corporations' computers um, and they're removing dangerous uh, uh, malware and uh, uh, viruses that, you know, they're saying that the world, the, the Russia, China, the hackers, the, uh, the Iranians are trying to uh, disrupt our, our corporations. So I stumbled across, I'm like, what the hell? And literally on April 9th, the United States District Court for the Southern District of Texas approved a search warrant allowing the U.S. Department of Justice to carry out this operation where they are literally without the Without the corporation's knowledge or consent, they're going into their computers and deleting files. Malcolm, let me ask you this. When our government, when our government, our, our law enforcement can go into anybody's computer, corporation, or I mean, if they're going into the corporation's computers, they can go into ours any day of the week. Without our consent, without giving us a warrant saying we are serving this, we are doing this, what level of Marxism are we? Ha how close to Marxism are we? Because we're on our way to it. At this point, I think uh, right now you're you're picking out whether or not your gulag is going to have a window or if you're going to be in the inner cells. That's, uh, yeah, police statism is here. I'm going to be quite honest with you. Um, I actually did a interesting article with about this, and let's be honest, we have been here for a minute. You know, with the introduction and the overreach of the FISA courts where they could get endless warrants, and then you had... Um, you know, you had uh, Jake Tapper or no, James Clapper. Again, I get both of them confused. They're both full of shit. They both lie. But, um, you know, you had, uh, you know, you had Clapper lie three times about what they were collecting on us. Uh, first, you know, we're not, no, we're not listening to you. Uh, no, no, we're not collecting your data. Okay, we're collecting metadata. Narrator, it was not just metadata. 
So, I mean, we're kind of to the, that point where, you know, they can break into anything as is. And I just feel like they have. It's just the fact that they don't have the competence or the initiative to stamp out everybody yet. And they also probably haven't been activated. I feel like the intensification is going to start. But it's actually starting right now. Only because, again, you have a president that is so inexorable. Like, again, he's got too much baggage and he's falling apart where uh, we can all see. And the media cannot put the lid on the bottle. So what you're going to start seeing now is you're going to start seeing random tidbits of that going missing. Possibly a little bit of, uh, you know, DDoS, you know, if you're using a site. You might even, you know, suddenly get a shadowy tap on the shoulder from your ISP telling you, hey, um, you know, we no longer service this site. Or You're going to start seeing a lot of shenanigans because I feel like, again, the military-industrial complex, they're the house, and the house always wins. So, yeah, <laughs> right now they're going to start putting, they're going to start pushing some more chips to the table to get some of the small players out. Yes, they are. Um, so, 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 Jeff, keep in mind the story of the FBI just being able to willy-nilly just hack on in and get what they want. And then I stumble across this story, and uh, so there was an online therapy thing because of COVID. This this therapy, this therapist came up with this software where you could actually do it via online. And so people were having their therapy sessions online with their therapist and everything's being uh, uh, documented online and it all got hacked. So everybody's therapy sessions got hacked. So I, I found that right after I found the FBI article and I'm thinking, so if a hacker got in to this therapist, this, this therapy company's computer and grabbed all that data on everybody's deep, dark secrets that they're confessing to their therapist. This to me is like, oh, it kind of explains John Roberts why he's such a horrible conservative justice on the bench now. This explains a lot of stuff where we've, we've looked at politicians who we thought were pretty solid and they did something crazy. Like Adam Kissinger, he used to be a pretty solid Republican. Now he's off the reservation left field. Is it, does it worry you that the FBI has this level of power that they can just go right on in and get what they want? And if the FBI has it, who else has it? Well, we know that the, all the more than the FBI has it, the CIA is going to have it, the NSA is going to have it. They've all they all have this power to like look at whatever they want. Apparently, um, and, and I don't, I'm not sure if they're even you know they're not are they using budget uh, to get to this information from everybody? I mean, if they can get everybody's therapy session, I mean, hackers can get everything. I remember about a. About a year ago, they hacked into the, uh, uh, I think it was the NS, was it the NSA or the CIA? And they got like, they could read everybody's security clearance. So they gave it like special treatment, say, hey, you know, these people have more information about your life now. And, and they, the ones that have all these security clearances. So yeah, I think uh, they're, 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 their power is getting a little too far reaching now. And we're losing Jeff, unfortunately. It's the FBI. Yeah, it's the, yeah, they're FBI. They're shutting us down. They're shutting us down. So JV, so so looking at all this, the, the, these corporations have some pretty sophisticated servers with security and firewalls, and and the FBI is just going right in and being able to do whatever they want, deleting stuff. And and I know you and I have had this conversation where obviously I'm a little more conspiratorial than you, and I believe that they're in snooping and gathering uh, info. And I mean. A lot of these bigger corporations, they have the the instant messaging through their through their their networks and whatnot, which the FBI could be grabbing. So there's sexual stuff going on, sexting, you know, some married CEO. My question to you is: now that we have this article, 
that's truth because we read it on the internet that the FBI is just slicing into these uh, these uh, these big corporations systems. Do you think that it's now I'm a little more closer to probably the, the reality of the situation that they are snooping on everybody and just gathering as much dirt as they can to be able to pressure people? Or am I still crazy train? Uh, I don't think I ever thought that was particularly crazy train. I mean, I think you in general, you were crazy train. But that specific thought, I don't think I completely disagreed with. I think ever since the Patriot Act was passed as a reaction to 9-11, I think we've, you know, the intelligence community has ha basically had carte blanche, to use your phrase, Britt, uh, in, in anything <laughs> they want and to go after anything they want in the name of preventing terrorism. And there were a lot of people back then that said, do not go along with this. This is giving away freedoms that we'll never get back. And I think as technology gets more sophisticated, I mean, if you look back at 2001 and the difference between technology now and then, it's light years, light years, even though it doesn't seem like that was that long ago. It is light years. So now you've got a, a global uh, geopolitical uh, situation here where the next war might may very well be fought through the internet. Uh, you know, through hacking and and this type of espionage. And I think that maybe the U.S. intelligence uh, agencies are not only using our uh, domestic corporations, maybe us individually, as a practice target or training target or whatever it happens to be, um, but they're also, you know, they have people like Amazon that controls something like 80% of all the web-based uh, traffic. And Amazon is not a friend to all political persuasions no. so amazon could very well be complicit in allowing access to some of this stuff who knows but the problem is this brings us back to that that marriage between big tech and a an all-encompassing government and you can when from one more perspective see how dangerous it can be i personally believe that there are people within our three-letter agencies that are gathering dirt on every single person they can that they think might end up in power at some point because they never know when they're going to need it. And just a quick note for the audience, if you hear a child in the background, one of us has a baby that will not go down. So if you do hear that, that's what's going on. It's all good. Baby's good. Um, I have one other, uh, you know, I'm going to roll into this JV and this is really going to set you off because it set you off uh, after the other show we did. Oh, great. So yeah, this is the landlord thing. So the uh, the COVID nineteen thing, the whole pandemic, CEOs' pays remain strata. I mean, in the to the moon and back. I mean, they are making so much money. All these these uh, big uh, these big uh, company owners like Boeing's uh, Boeing's uh, had a twelve billion dollar loss, but their their CEO got a twenty one million dollar bonus. Uh, Norwegian Cruise Line four billion dollar furlough loss, furlough twenty percent of people. Their CEO pulls in thirty six point four million dollars. Hilton. A quarter of the corporate staff members were laid off completely, lost $720 million, and their CEO gets $55.9 million, right? Um, and then we have, and those are the big corporations, but then we have landlords. And this is more about the, the small-time landlord that owns a couple properties for their retirement. This is a retired-type couple. Um, they're about to go broke because a year, a year of people not having to pay and you can't evict them because of the COVID pandemic. If you if you dive into this article here at the Washington Post, they actually interviewed uh, quite a few uh, uh, people, who uh, small landlords uh, that own like uh, I think it was ten units or less, and they're all dying because you know a big corporation can have a couple hundred people. You know if they have like five thousand units that they manage, they can have a couple hundred people not paying, but these landlords have like fifty percent not paying. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with you, JV. 
because <clears throat> you are a landlord. When these landlords run out of money and they can't maintenance the building and they can't buy the heating oil, and they, they're on the hook for that. They get in trouble for that. How do you survive? How do you, as a landlord, deal with the government saying you can't collect rent, but you got to pay your mortgage? Yeah, it, it, it's it's that? a very tricky situation. And you're right. It's been going on for a year now. I bought an, a, a four-unit building for basically as an estate plan for my kids. That was my purpose. I'm, I don't want to be a landlord. It's a real bitch. And the next time you refer to me as a landlord, Britt, I'd prefer you to say that bastard landlord. Call me a bastard okay. landlord. Um, <laughs> I, that makes it, me feel much more uh, accomplished about it. But no, in all seriousness, um, I have four, four apartments and two of the four have not been paying me rent for a year. Now, I pay the heat for all the apartments. I pay the water bill. I pay the taxes. I pay the insurance. I pay the mortgage. I pay the garbage collection. Um, and if I turn off any one of those things, if I don't pay any one of those things, either I lose the building or I go to jail because it's illegal for me to turn off their heat, even though they're not paying me rent. It's illegal for me to turn off their water, even though, even though they're not paying me rent. It's illegal for me to not insure it. There's a whole bunch of things here. So, um, I'm stuck. What do I do? And add to all of this, given the economic shutdowns, all of our taxes are going up. So my property taxes, my school taxes, my village taxes, my fire, my water sewer tax, everything's going up. Yet I can't do anything about two of my four apartments. These people are living there rent free. I know at least one of the two never even lost her job. It's just now a ploy. And I can't, I can't do anything to get them out of there so that I can actually just pay my bills. So it's a real problem. It's, it's, and I just happened, I did have this story here too, and I'll throw it up quickly. We don't really have to talk about it. Yeah. But no, um, the, a federal judge just announced that the CDC's eviction moratorium is unconstitutional. And it is unconstitutional. The problem is that this CDC eviction moratorium does not supersede New York State's eviction moratorium or other states that have similar measures. So the CDC now can't do this, but the states are still doing it. So it's a real problem for people that own property. It really is. So, so rolling from that, then let's roll into this. Employers, employers are struggling. <laughs> employers are struggling to compete with the $600 coronavirus unemployment payment bump. So basically, JV, you have these two people that aren't working, but they're collecting unemployment. And their unemployment is probably equal or more than what they were making. So why are they not paying you rent? Because they don't have to. So I'm going to ask you, uh, uh, Mr. Flex, man. Um, if, in what world is it fair that we as the government, that we as the people who elected the government to represent us are giving people this bumped up unemployment so that they can continue to pay their bills and they choose not to should should the should the eviction ban only be for people who are not collecting unemployment and don't have a job it should but again here's the issue much like with anything that pertains to the government it never works as intended and typically in those situations you have to look at you have to look at the um issues that the government doesn't have the means to check and control all of that. That's the problem. They can't do anything like that efficiently to where they can get the payments out on time, make sure that unemployment is going out, and then at the same time, be able to screen to make sure, okay, you are unemployed, you are not working, because people file false claims all the time. That's typically the issue is, again, you have people abusing the system, and it hamstrings us. It really does slow things down tremendously, so... 
I'm at a loss. I really am. Wow. Well, I think your daughter had to come in and she was trying to give you the business and tell you what's going down. <laughs> yes, she was. That's Okay. So Jeff, so Jeff, so, okay. So, uh, they got the unemployment, wow, my monitors are freaking out. They're all blinking right now. What is, I think the FBI is onto us, JV, and we're about to get hammered here. So Jeff, so you, what, Jeff, what state are you in? Florida. You're in Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. So, Jacksonville. Jacksonville, Florida. So if I remember correctly, your week, the Florida's weekly unemployment is like $482 at the full Plus he added 600 bucks. So you're making, so these people are making a little over a grand a week. That's $4,000 a month. That's a pretty damn good wage in Florida, correct? Absolutely. Right. So that's a good wage for these people here. And so many of them, yeah, like you see, I mean, there's so many jobs here that are available right now and nobody's taking them. Like, like I've been this before. I've been going into restaurant shutdown because they can't, they have no staff. Yeah. Right. So that's what I wanted to ask you was about the jobs down there. Cause actually I did know you were in Florida, but so if they can't, if these, if, is it time for us to end the unemployment bump? Yeah, they're going to have to, because they're going to have to draw a line in the sand at this point, because I know some people are going to get hurt and it's a sad thing, but then you've got people, you know, like JV who's got people that aren't paying rent and uh, th- this stuff has to stop. These people need to, they got to go back to work. They got to make money. We, you can't just keep paying them and paying them and paying them and to, to, to support their welfare. I mean, yeah, this has got to change immediately. I mean, some people get hurt, but, that, you know, I know it's sad. It's a sad part of life in the capitalism. Sadly, right. I got to offer a point to that, though. And this is that I don't think there's any way that we can go back at this point. You know, a lot of these jobs that these people worked are, you know, a lot of jobs people have stake their careers in, they're gone. Like, our area, and you know, I won't actually, uh, you know, say where exactly where I'm at, but you know, our area, a lot of local businesses have been destroyed. Like areas that used to be bustling marketplaces, <laughs> they're ghost towns. Like we've irreparably changed the landscape. Of course, big box stores still exist, but you know, it's like not everybody can work big box stores because then they start cutting hours as automation comes, and we've got a looming increase actually in prices due to inflation, you know, thanks in part to these uh, COVID stimulus packages, which most of it didn't even go to the people, but now a $4 million plus infrastructure plan. And, you know, it's already ruined the job. I mean, it's already ruined the housing market. So like where a lot of places are going to start cutting and especially with the salt and salt uh, deduction being uncapped basically with the uh, Trump tax cut repeal. It's not looking too good. Wow. So, JV, you're you're in rural New York. Now, we know that New York City proper is pretty decimated business-wise. What are you seeing out there in the rural area? Are, are mom and pops just going under? Are they getting hammered out there, or are you guys faring a little better? Well, one of our big advantages up here is that we've already been decimated. There's not much left to decimate. So, oh. I mean, it's the truth. The economy of upstate New York was destroyed 30 years ago, and, and it's it's basically a shell of what it used to be. And it's got, you know, there's not much room to fall when we fall. However, having said that, I live in Cooperstown, New York, which is the home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And we survive, survive, not me personally, but the village survives on baseball tourism. Now, we know what happened to tourism last year. It, it was non-existent. 
So you've got businesses here, and many of them have, have closed their doors. I mean, you walk down Main Street, Cooperstown, it's the size of two blocks. There's only one traffic light in the whole town. And uh, you walk down that street, and probably one out of every four, probably 25% of the, of the businesses are gone. It's just empty storefronts now. Because what you have is you've got a community that closed up for the summer, basically, at the end of the 2019 summer, waited how many months, you know, from, from October to basically May, getting ready to open again for 2020, couldn't open, had to wait that whole summer, and then again from October to now, this May. So they're they're looking at two and a half years of not being able to do business. How, wow. did, how does any business survive that? I mean, PPP aside, it doesn't do it for people. And these are all small mom and pop businesses. Cooperstown has no chain stores whatsoever. No Burger King, no Dunkin' Donuts, nothing. It's all mom and pops, and um, you know the ones that throw, that survive on the uh, on the baseball tourism. They did. They haven't survived unless they happen to have really really deep pockets. They're gone, and um, you know I'm sure that's the case on in little towns all around the uh, the country. It has to be. But Cooperstown does have the Mohican, which is pretty amazing. The Mohican Club, um, yes, yes, the Mohican Club. All right, uh, I'll give this back to you, JV, since I stepped on you by running right through the second story. That's Sorry all right. That, that. No, it's fine. I want to talk a little bit about this Facebook ban because we all know that Facebook's, uh, what are they, the Truth Seeker Board, whatever the heck they call this <laughs> board of people who can decide the fate of everyone else on Facebook, uh, has decided not to reinstate Donald Trump on Facebook. And quite honestly, I think Donald Trump should say, you know what, even if you... If you do reinstate me, I don't want anything to do with it. That's what I would do if yep. I were him. But regardless, it, it reopens this wound of social media becoming, um, you know, so powerful and so biased. Uh, there's an article here, which I'll throw up on the um, on the screen. But in addition to uh, Facebook not bringing, allowing Donald Trump to come back, uh, Twitter has also obviously continued to enforce its lifetime ban on um I can't seem to find that one um on on the uh on Donald Trump oh here it is so there's there's a lot more talk right now about antitrust action against Facebook Twitter and some of the other big tech companies um representative Jim Banks who's a Republican from Indiana says if Facebook is so big it thinks it can silence the leaders you elect. It's time for conservatives to pursue an antitrust agenda. I have said for a long time, Malcolm, that the, the mo more important and the more damaging part of all of this is that companies like Google, Facebook, maybe Twitter, maybe any in Amazon in its own way, um, came into the marketplace and basically uh, strong-armed out all of the competition. So for, from a media standpoint, you lost all your independent newspapers. You've lost radio and TV journalism for the most part, except for the cable channels. Um, and so these companies have taken over the public square. So because they've done that, the argument that they're private companies and they can do what they want, that isn't so valid anymore. They actually have a bit of an obligation because they've taken over the public square. What do you think? That's 110% correct. Um, you know, at this point, and we can use Twitter, it's pretty close to home. Again, a lot of your uh, official government alerts, you know, your NOAA, some NOAA alerts and stuff, that comes from Twitter. You know, interacting with your politicians, which is a large part of our constitutional rights. Again, we can't see what they say except for on Twitter in some places. 
So at some point, once you become a certain size, you do end up becoming a public utility. I don't think anybody can survive without the use of Google at this point, just from an informational standpoint. So that's really what we have to look into is how do you, you know, how do you reconcile that they're a private company, but at the same time, they have crossed over into a sphere that does not allow them to simply exist in a for-profit structure. And you got to also look, a data breach of Google or even a data breach of Twitter, you know, think about when all the politicians' accounts got hacked, when Obama's attack got, account got hacked. There are a lot of probably should be confidential communications kept on those Twitter accounts that could jeopardize a lot of foreign, you know, foreign geopolitical goals. And it's it just got leaked. And you can't have a private company holding that level of just, you know, that, that level of information that's just integral to our function. Like, you can't have that. Yeah, and so. I, I brought up Amazon earlier, Jeff. Um, Amazon Web Services hosts, is the, is the platform host for even governmental servers. Um, and as Malcolm just pointed out, you've got a private company that's basically responsible for the security and the oversight of things like that. Uh, that puts us in a vulnerable position, position, but it also puts us in a situation where you've got a private company that basically has a hammer it can hold over the head of the, of the government. Is Jeff frozen? Or is he just doing a really good staring job? It's a staring contest right now. Okay, right. I think we lost. Yeah. yeah, we must have. Britt, why don't you take this one? Uh, yes, I agree. Uh, you are correct. Um, it, it is too much power in private hands, in my in my personal opinion. Although with the Amazon thing, I mean, there was a bid that went out from the government. They do it all the time. So there are, there are some regulations around what Amazon has to do to protect the uh, our information. But uh, with what with what Malcolm said, I mean, think about that when when Obama's uh, when Obama's um, uh, Twitter got hacked. I mean, what if they were to put something in there like we're mustering the troops, the bombs are in the air, like when Reagan made that joke? I mean, that could start wars. I mean, that could do some really crazy, dangerous stuff. Um, but I will say this though, JV, about the breaking them down. I mean, Google's a different level because they own so much. But you know, like a Facebook, a Twitter, a Instagram, a you know. Breaking up Twitter, what is or, or Facebook? What does that mean? Breaking them up? They don't really control that much. What, we're going to have four Facebooks. The, the problem is, is that we'll have four of the same damn thing because right now, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, they're, they're all the same, run by run by super liberal people doing super liberal stuff, uh, being you know running running blocking plays for the Democrats so that they can run into the end zones all the time. What we need to do, is we just need to regulate them. I'm sorry, but Ron DeSantis is the man. And what our what we need to do at the federal level is what he's doing at the, the the state level. We need to regulate them. And basically, it's you don't get to regulate speech. You if you if you're going to be afforded the two thirty protection, so you don't get sued, you don't get to regulate shit. You don't. Sorry. If I want to say stupid stuff on your platform, I get to say it, but because that's why you have that protection. Now, if you don't want that protection, you want to do, okay, but. Yeah, I'm into what Ron DeSantis is doing. Yeah, I've I've always differentiated between Facebook and say Google. Google, I think, is actually a bigger problem because, you know, anyone looking up information at this point goes to the goes to the internet and uses Google probably nine times out of ten. 
to get its information and Google decides what it's going to let you see and what it's not going to let you see. That's a bigger problem than Facebook. I agree with you. Jeff, we lost you for a minute there. I want to turn take a, turn the topic yeah, a little bit. The, um, the International Monetary Fund is talking about a global tax deal, meaning that all the, uh, the industrialized countries need to come together and agree what the minimum corporate tax will be in all their countries so they're not competing against each other. Did you hear what I just said? So they're not competing against each other. This seems to be a major departure from free market capitalism, and this is now on a global scale, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you're talking about a, a whole social economic system that's going to be completely changed to like, who, who's going to like, who's going to control all this? What companies are going to be more popular? What companies are going to be more powerful than in what other companies? So obviously, the political people are going to control a lot of this. And a lot of companies are going to go away if you don't follow what they say and their regulations and what they think and believe, such as these a lot of these elites like 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 Google and and Twitter and, and all that and when and like you said what everyone's going to like listen to on the internet no this is that's a globalist economy and we're not ready for a globalist economy yet and who is the sport of people that's going to decide all this oh, who's going to be what yeah not only I don't think are we ready for it I don't think we want it and I don't think we ever want it no. my opinion there um, one of the things that's uh, that alarmed me about a year ago a little over a year ago now when all these restrictions for coronavirus started to be put in place I kept and they kept saying that this is because of the science we're doing this because the science I kept saying the science is now going to be used in climate change and in other mechanism other other Trojan horses whereby they'll enact similar restrictions because of the science and climate change is the biggest example of that. Well, the IMF said on Tuesday that, quote, the coronavirus and climate change could be an opportunity for the international community to come together and work on the international tax system. Malcolm, does that scare you? Because it scares the hell out of me. It does. It does. Again, one of the main and, you know, this is close to home with me uh, being a researcher myself. But, um, you know, one of the main things that should always be understood is that anytime the scientists start to agree and collaborate to get the same opinion or come to the same consensus is never a good thing. Science is always, you know, science is basically a fancy term for one upsmanship. A scientific theory comes out, it's meant to lay the groundwork to be disproven or for somebody else to come and to basically stack something on top of it. So now you're creating a situation where you have science or a lot of these, I guess you could say, bureaucratic scientists coming together and literally trying to craft a narrative. Like, think about that for a second. They're trying to craft a narrative. That's not science. That right there is called, you're creating a religion. You're creating a secular religion that literally, you know, and I say this, with the utmost, you know, with the utmost correctness, because it's not used correctly, but literally is going to influence every aspect of our lives as it already has with these politicians unilaterally imposing lockdown orders, these mandates, a lot of these unconstitutional edict, but they're literally infringing upon our rights based on a farcical version of science because again you have so many conflicting studies that that come out it just in regards to covid you know in california you had a seroprevalence study that came out that said oh well most of the people in this region already had covid 
But then you've got another, then you've got another study saying, no, wait, COVID might not actually be as transmissible. Then you've got another study that says, okay, COVID is actually affected by this degree, you know, this amount of heat centigrade. And, you know, now it's, it just seems too deliberate and that's not good. You cannot have, you know, I just, I, I understand what they're trying to say that we need to avoid an economic or financial collapse in some sense, but the methods, you know, on paper and in practice are just two different things. Yeah, and Brett, it, I, it, it, I'm sorry. And Brett, Brett I see, um, you know, again, this use use of science as a justification to support, you know, these restrictions, these efforts, and, and they'll be turning, you know, they're turning the page already. We're seeing it happen from coronavirus to climate change. And they'll be saying, you know what? The science says you can't drive that SUV anymore. The science says you can't use your, your oil burning furnace in your house and you're going to have to spend 40 grand upgrade to what we want you to upgrade. The science is telling us all this. And who's to argue with science? Except one thing we know, as Malcolm just pointed out, science, there's a difference between science and scientism, as you've often said, and scientism is a religion, and that's what these people are interested in. Yes, this is a religion. We're watching it form right now. Um, I mean, Lennon is probably just shaking his head in his grave right now going, damn, why didn't I do this? Because this is how you control the masses. This is how you create a cult following. This is how we you take a, a free country that developed the world. I'm sorry. For all you uh, thin-skinned people in other countries, America developed the modern world. If it wasn't for us, you would all still be living in caves, eating out of ditches. Um, and it was capitalism. Raw, fair, semi-regulated capitalism that built this world. And that's what we're getting away from, and we're watching the decline. I work in downtown L.A. every day, various locations, and I am watching the decline of a once beautiful city. I'm born and raised here. I was in Hollywood, the LA area in the, in the golden days when it was really nice. And we are not that anymore. And this is part of the religion that we are experiencing right now. This cult that is happening where we're getting away from the core values of America, which was rugged individualism, work hard or die. Not this government handout, stay at home, I'm telling you, people, watch Wall-E. We are headed to the Wall-E route. We're going to be fat, fat, fat people riding around on hovercraft <laughs> lawn chairs, having our drinks brought to us, and robots are doing everything. That's what we're headed to if we don't correct this because as humans, we need purpose, and purpose is surviving. That's all I got. Okay, well, that's good. We've got about eight <laughs> minutes left. Um, I've got one more thing here I'm going to touch on very, very quickly, Britt, and then you can take it if you've got something here. But uh, there's a U.S. Steel, major major international steel company. It was actually created by Andrew Andrew Carnegie originally, uh, just announced that it is no longer going to invest its $1.5 billion to upgrade uh, uh, three facilities in Pennsylvania. It has been trying for two years to get these uh, upgrades and these additions to those plants through environmental regulations, and it's just given up. So yep. on Friday, it said after months of a tug of war with the Allegheny County Health Department and environmental uh, reviews, it is canceling the $1.5 billion upgrade. Not only is it canceling the upgrade, but it is idling three of its plants um, by 2023. Malcolm, um, 
the infrastructure bill that Joe Biden has floated has these types of regulations times 50. And now we're already seeing how these regulations are job killers, business killers, because what's going to happen is that steel is not going to come from where? China. So I'm kind of torn because I've been trying to peg down again what Joe Biden's ultimate goal is. I can't quite figure out if it's just to enrich himself, if he's operating at the behest of some sort of cabal, which I think we all can pretty much say. But yeah, a lot of these environmental regulations, typically all they do is provide a nice easy scapegoat for companies to go ahead and get involved in China and also India, India to a certain extent. But, you know, given China's terse relationship with India, as well as the fact that I think, uh, you know, we've pretty much scorned Modi a little bit, I'm pretty sure we're going over to uh, China and, you know, they don't have environmental regulations. I don't know where these climatologists have really seen their models, but most of the pollution, as most people know, comes from China. Again, they don't have oversight. They don't have a lot of the regulation things that keep them safe and that keep our environment safe. And that's part of the reason, again, why they can produce things so cheap. So we're dealing with a little bit of an issue insofar as what are they trying to do? Are they trying to make it easy for corporations or are they trying to enrich China? Are they trying to do both? And honestly, it plays right in China's hand because that's all China does. They get foreign investment and then they take that investment and they use it as a way to strong arm companies, leaders, get dirt, you know, gain political advantage. Look at what they've done to the Ivory Coast of Africa so far, or I guess West Africa. So, you know, they've uh, they've gotten a lot of warlords to play along and they're getting political influence in the area. And that's going to start happening here if some of our main you know, some of our hard resource manufacturers go there. Jeff, um, quickly, Biden argues that decarbonizing the economy will create millions of jobs. Right here, we've seen looks like a total of about 4,000 great jobs disappear almost overnight. And again, I just point out the fact that the real regulations are hidden in these infrastructure bills that are on, on deck here. Um, this could turn really ugly really fast i can't tell if jeff is oh, okay there he is you with us yeah I, I see what you're saying yeah i mean uh yeah uh, what, what are we gonna all just build solar panels and windmills i mean a lot of the solar panels are being built in china sadly uh yeah there's there's not a lot of jobs you can't just have factories to put thousands and thousands of people to work to build solar panels and windmills and electric cars it's just not there and they can't explain where these jobs are because they don't have have a clue where it's just something they're good that they can say so that the voters look into office but there's no jobs there Britt um you know we'll we'll throw up our hands in five years and we'll say geez you know we America lost you know another 200,000 manufacturing jobs what happened where do they go when we're watching it happen, we know what the cause is. We know what the solution is as well, because we had the solution for the last four years. Uh, but but for some reason, we'll just continue to make the same mistakes. F feel free to tackle that. We've got a couple more minutes if you want to bring something else up, too. Uh, okay. China has invested in numerous politicians. Joe Biden, one of them. Joe Biden's son. Friends, family, lobbyists. People who lifelong uh, workers in D.C., they've, they've been investing for years, and it's finally paid off. So here's the deal. For the longest time before Trump, we were running factories and stuff out of our country. They were going to China. And then 
China's making the money. Now look what's happening. Joe Biden's going to squash the steel industry from firing up. We've already run off a couple car manufacturing companies. All that steel manufacturing is going to China. And then we're going to do this four point. Uh, four point something trillion dollar infrastructure bill, which uh, roads require a lot of steel inside the concrete. The bridges require a lot of steel. Where's all that steel going to come from? China. Why is it coming from China? Because we shut down our American steel making. So this is so just like uh, just like the stimulus checks was the big gift to the big box stores, the billionaires, by giving all the citizens fourteen hundred bucks. They went and spent it at Target and Amazon and all the big stores because all the mom and pops were closed. This is the this is the same thing except for the foreign countries that we want to take care of, which is going to be China because China paid Joe Biden billions of dollars via his family members and friends, and the wheel just keeps on turning of corruption. And it's easy to see for us that are awake, but sadly, the vast majority of Americans are low information voters. They watch what rolls by on their on their Twitter feeds and their Facebooks and whatever's and they watch their NPR with David or whatever and ABC Nightly News, David Muir, who just lie to us. <laughs> like no tomorrow and they know no different. And what's gonna happen is we're we are watching the crash come. To them it's gonna be off a cliff and oh man, there's no way we could have stopped this because they were low information voters. Real quick, I want to touch on this black hammer thing. Um which cracks me up, but there's a there's a viral video going around, which I'm gonna play at the end of this. So Black Hammer, uh, they're a group of uh, of uh, black nationalists, babe, black black Americans that want to. They're buy They just bought 200 acres. They did a GoFundMe. They raised enough money. They bought 200 acres in Colorado, way up in the mountains, and they're gonna make a a non-colonized people only city. They have a lake. They have some streams. They're gonna give it a go. And to be honest with you, this I want to watch this. This is gonna be really amazing to see if they could actually make this happen. Uh, when I looked him up on Wikipedia, basically the the founder of it, um, uh, I mean, he, he's uh, he's from the communist organizer. He was uh, for the Democratic Socialist Party of America. I mean, they're basically communists, which is fine. But if they want to take their 200 acres and they want to try and build a city, um, I am totally down for watching this. This is going to be really interesting to watch. But here's my thing. So I, I found a GoFundMe from a, uh, this is a while ago. And this is the leader right here. And they did it with HIV and AIDS. They did it with Ebola. If you listen to his cadence, it's very, it's and very bland. It. It's very straightforward, it's very mainstream. It's time to save ourselves. And it's time to build ourselves. The GoFundMe did not do very the well. Norm. The GoFundMe did not do very well. So this is the latest one. This is the latest video that's going viral right now. And he's completely changed his tack. This to me is Jonestown level cult level and malcolm pointed out earlier before the show when we were talking about this watch the people in the background none of them move this video actually goes on for 20 minutes i heard you had some hello antifa <laughs> it's me gazi the commander-in-chief of the black hammer organization land back i heard you had some not so nice things to say about me i heard you had some nice things to say about my hammers, mm. I heard you had not so nice things to do. Okay, so you get the flavor of the video and, and his, his theatrics there. And if you notice the people standing in the bed, none of them moved. And this video goes for 20 minutes, which Malcolm has apparently watched 42 times. Um, none of them moved for the 20 minutes. They're very loyal and very disciplined. So my question to you, Jeff, is... The original video I showed, he's very mainstream and, and, and they didn't raise a lot of money. But now that he's playing this character, this Joker type character, people are flocking to him. So it's going to be interesting to watch 200 Acre. But I'm, am I right in being really worried about the cult army they're going to form up there? 
Yeah, I mean, it's almost like he's created like a stage show or something. I mean, it's kind of odd. I, yeah, I mean, okay, what, what are they gonna, what are they gonna build a city up there in the mountains of, based on what type of economy and what type of political beliefs? Why I, real it's comedy to watch, but. Yeah, I, it's going to be fun to watch, and we'll see if communism works. I mean, but you know what? But communism does work yeah. on a small scale. It just doesn't scale up very well. Malcolm, now you've done kind of a, a deep dive on this on this group. Are they are, are they someone to be? Are they? Should we be worrying about them? I mean, they're fighting with Antifa, so maybe we just step back. But should we be worried? Not so much, only because again, as far as I know about Gazi, I don't think he ever took mainstream hold with his own message. He's really good at acting, I mean, you know, he's really good on acting on behalf of other people, but as you pretty much saw, again, his standalone efforts don't really get you very much. He's kind of low tier. It's going to be a nice little case study for you to watch, and I think it's actually symptomatic of the infighting of the left against circular firing squad. So, honestly, I think it's something that we sit it out, just sit back, watch again. It'll be real. It'll be real socialism until it fails. Then you know we'll have another. We'll pretty much have Chaz 2.0. So just, just at ten thousand feet in beautiful country, and they actually bought the Yeah, right. There we go. Yeah. So so JV, the the fact that they actually bought the land, which is very capitalistic of them. Um, I mean, how long do you think it goes? I mean, they, they got like seventy. When I was reading, they got like seventy something members. It uh, looks like some of them have experience in farming and whatnot, so they're going to go up and give it a go. How long do you think that lasts? Um, probably until um, the beer runs out. I don't know. Um, the funny thing about it is that they, you know, they use a GoFundMe campaign to try to start to finance this effort, and you know, GoFundMe is the epitome of capitalism. Um, mm -hmm. They go buy land and they want to establish their own community, which, as you pointed out, buying land is the epitome of capitalism. You know, these people are, den are, ne are never uh, genuine. They, you know, they, they, they try to assume this role. They try to, to, to talk this game. But you take away their cell phones and you take away their Internet and you take away all the things that capitalism provides for them and they crumble like babies. And this group is going to do the same damn thing. And as Malcolm pointed out, you know, Chaz 2.0, you know. Once you can't find a, a clean place to go to the bathroom, you, you start to rethink your life. And uh, that's kind of what's going to happen with these guys. So it's a big game. I'll tell you what, that video is damn creepy, though. That guy is really, really creepy. Um, I, can't get the, I can't get the so music out of my head. I actually think he's got a better career at horror films than he does, uh, you know, leading this Reminds movement. Reminds me of the 7-Up guy. Remember the 7-Up <laughs> yeah, guy right. in the commercial right. in the James Bond movie? Ha, 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 ha. So uh, oh we, went, we went a little bit overtime here. Um, so we're going to let you go, but, uh, Malcolm, thank you so much for joining us before we let you go. Where can people follow you? I know it's on the screen there, but you're pretty active on Twitter, right? Oh yeah, definitely active on Twitter. I've actually got a sub stack, so I'm publishing, writing articles. I've got a, a free version, which is pretty much only, you know, a self building and all that. Then I've got a, a paid subscription where I do deep dives, political breakdowns, a few more analysis, things that can be more nuanced than 280 characters on Twitter can. But uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter, Malcolm underscore Flex 48. That's going to be it on Twitter. And, you know, that's your gateway drug to all things Flex. So, <laughs> you know, 
Have fun. Let's go down that rabbit hole. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. I hope you'll agree to come back. Jeff, of course, thank you for being with us as always. Um, that's going to do smash it. The like yeah, smash the like. Please subscribe. We saw a lot of new names scrolling through chat tonight. So please uh, take the plunge and subscribe to the channel. That's free to do on YouTube, of course. And we will be back here. What is it? It's Wednesdays. We'll be back here Friday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. It's the Independence Gang.